Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the Entrepreneurship and Human Behaviour podcast. I'm here with Gabriel Denman. Hi, Gab. Hey, Perry. You have a good Easter? Oh, so good. So nice to have four days off. Yep. Do anything special? Oh, no, not really. Just hung out with family the whole weekend. Yep. That's a good thing to do. Okay, in today's podcast, we're going to be going through a couple of subjects. The first thing that we're going to be discussing is why we do what we do, why we teach what we teach. There are thousands upon thousands of business experts and business coaching organizations out there teaching people how to build successful businesses. And that's something we do. We provide the technical know-how to build a business that runs without your constant input, what we call a self-managed business, so you can spend more time doing what you love. And anyone that knows me knows that I've spent a fair bit of my life, in fact, many months every year traveling, surfing, and my businesses have always allowed me to do that because we believe that business should work for you, not you, for it. And there are certain things you must do in a business. There are certain ways you must build that business to get it to that point where it will run without you. Now, most people aren't actually programmed or conditioned, meaning they don't have the belief structures or traits required to build a business that runs without the business owner. And that's why we bring in another element to this work. We really help our clients understand themselves deeply. We help them see the beliefs and the behaviors that support successful business building and those behaviors and beliefs that undermine successful business building. And the work we do is very deep. So we know that other organizations sort of take a cursory glance at belief structures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we work with helping our clients identify and transform behaviors on a very, very deep and insightful level. In fact, I think we're actually the only business coaching organization in the world that teaches the technical aspects of building a successful self-managed business one that can run without you, and helps our clients to develop the psychology required before you can take that technical information and build a self-managed business. And typically, if you try and build a business without working on your mind in a very deep manner, and you get the best technical information, what would happen, Gabrielle? <laughs> You're going to keep running around in the same circles over and over again and, and the same patterns just play out in your life until you do look at yourself on a deep level. It's, it's just the way it is with, with each and every client that I've ever come across. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about patterns. Let's dig into patterns. That's actually a great place to start, Gab. So patterns. We use the word patterns a lot in this work. And from my perspective, a pattern 
is a habitual pattern of action or a habitual pattern of behavior that keeps playing itself out time and time and time again. Because we are habitual beings. We get programmed, meaning we learn how to do something. And we keep doing it again and again and again. And so we're looking for patterns that don't support successful business building to start with. How would you explain patterns, Gab? From your perspective, you have another way of explaining? Yeah, really, when I think about patterns, I always think about people and they get really frustrated, you know, and they're like, ah, oh, I can't believe I did that again. Or they, they turn, they, they say, oh, I just don't know what I'm meant to do any differently. Or they try change something that's happening in their life or business and they just can't find a way around it. It just seems to be how things are or the way things have always been and no matter how hard somebody tries to change that particular course of action, nothing ever changes. Great. Absolutely. Because it's so ingrained, these patterns, that they just, they keep on creating results, even Mm. though the person that has those patterns is not totally aware of it, correct? Yeah, that's right. I always say, I always say, Perry, that... um, Uh, me and you and and the coaches that are like us are in the unique position when somebody tells us that they're going to change it's almost a farce unless they're going to do some deep inner work like we do people just don't change unless they do this work (laughs) (laughs) or do some kind of inner work (laughs) correct correct (laughs) absolutely so when you start talking about inner work we're talking about work that helps us develop awareness about our patterns. That's the first place we must start, deepen our That's awareness. It. And I actually just want to use a couple of examples of patterns so that, that everyone's listening, I, I just so I can ensure that they're really clear about what we mean about patterns. Yeah. I've got a little bit of a funny one. It's a personal one to start with. I'm thinking about my wife. <laughs> my, my wife for, I don't know, 25 years um, has constantly told me off for um, putting say the biscuits back in the wrong place like my, my wife has like we'll use the word patterns she has patterns of perfection so her habitual patterns are to always put things back in the same place every time so that's a pattern that's a habit pattern that's a behavioral pattern she has i on the other hand have a pattern of putting things back in different places constantly. Now, that's a habit pattern. I just do it. I'm even unaware of it. So as an example, I have one of those minds that thinks about business all the time or is thinking about uh, you know, human behavior. I, I'm, I'm often not present in the moment when I am making myself lunch and putting stuff away, as an example. Um, so this is why Amory finds the biscuits in the fridge or something like that. So, so as, a, as a basic example, you can see that the two of us have patterns of operating that cause conflict. And a, an aspect of that is me becoming very aware of when I'm not aware of what I'm doing in the moment in regards to putting things back. Now, that, that's just a small example, but I just wanted to get really clear about what we mean about patterns. They're, they're, they're patterns that just keep going and going and going until we bring our awareness to them. 
The other example I want to use, and, and it's a business example, and, and I think this is a really good place to go with this, and we've been, we've been doing quite a bit of work with the People Pleaser um, personality profile over the last month, Gab, you and I, and Georgina. Um, so I'll just use that as an example. So uh, uh, someone with a strong People Pleaser, apart to their personality, by default, with our conscious awareness, they're programmed to constantly please others. So they want others to be happy. And as a result of that, they will often not meet their own needs or they will often deny what they really want so that they can keep someone else happy. Now, if we bring this into a business environment, um, I could be or you could be working with them and we could see that they weren't reaching their KPIs, their sales KPIs. And we might find out through investigation that some of the staff on the team uh, are just not focused and they're not upselling, they're not following the script. Okay, so if, if staff aren't following the script for upsells or aren't even asking for upsells, and for those that are listening who don't know what upsells are, upsells are an example of someone comes in, if you run a, a hair salon and you come in and you're getting your hair done and the stylist notices that your hair is a bit dry and she says, listen, we've got this oil. It would be great for your hair. It's 30 bucks. You put it on every day and after a month it just comes back to full life. That's an upsell. Okay, it, It's good for the client and it's good for making money for the business. Um, but again, so Gab, if if... If the staff aren't reading the script or aren't even offering the upsells, what would you do? What would a business owner need to do? They would need a they would need to intervene with the staff member and have a conversation with them around adhering to the to the policy or whatever it is around the scripts. Of course, and everyone gets that. So that's just what we would consider a, a strategic thing to do. It's a very technical thing to do, and it's simple. If this isn't being done, and if we know doing this increases profit, which we know upselling does, then we're just going to get on to our staff and ensure that they do their upsells and they follow the scripts properly. No brainer. However, and this is where we get back to patterns and I'm going back to reinforcing something I said before, you can have all the best technical knowledge in the world, but if you're not aware of your patterns, you're in trouble. So if I ask someone with a people-pleasing style to their personality to start to communicate to their staff that they need to do the to, to do the upsell they, they've got to follow the script and they're going to be on their back checking 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 and 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 checking the kpis and going to weekly meetings etc 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 how will a people pleaser feel about that gabrielle <laughs> how would I, I'll, be oh, I'll be clear how would a people pleasing business owner who has to manage people feel about those tasks they would feel deeply confronted by it and very, very uncomfortable to go to meetings or set KPIs. Why? Because they've always been told that it's, or well, actually, they've probably never been taught in their life that conflict and assertiveness is okay or they've never been role modelled uh, growing up how to be um, forthright or have any of their own needs and wants. Correct. They're all for the other person and not for themselves. Yeah, because 
part of their belief system or a strong belief system for a people pleaser will be something like, um, I'm a nice person when I keep other people happy. I'm acceptable yes. and lovable when I keep other people happy. Because people pleasers feel guilt often. Because they feel guilt because if they feel like they're being rude or causing conflict, they feel like a bad person, like somehow they're wrong, that they've caused someone else to be unhappy. This is why often people pleasers won't set boundaries, as an example. Okay? Now, we're not going into people pleasers today. Well, we're touching it a little bit. I'm just, we just want to talk about patterns so people understand what we mean by patterns undermining the technical aspects. The, so the people pleaser part in that, in, in that scenario... They won't want to communicate to their staff because they're afraid of causing conflict. They'd be afraid of seen, being seen as a bad boss because they don't like to, to display their power. And therefore, they're unlikely to be able to bring in strong boundaries about staff meeting KPIs and doing what it takes to meet KPIs. <laughs> And what you'll often find is they'll sabotage it. So they'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do weekly meetings. And within three or four, four weeks, those weekly meetings have stopped because on an unconscious level, they're very uncomfortable for the people-pleasing business owner. Now, we're just going to move away from a people-pleaser for a moment. I'm going to go to someone with a strong captain uh, personality profile. Now, the captain personality profile You'll tend to, to what you get you have a stab at this, Gab. What's a how would you define a captain subpersonality style? <laughs> it's very much the polarity of the people pleaser, isn't it? Like the captain personality style is very directive, very authoritarian, has a lot of power over their staff. I mean, in their dis dysfunctional aspects, it's uh, almost dysfunctional power, but can be very functional uh, in, in its in its good ways. Uh, and it just very much wants to take control. Yeah, my, my way or the highway. So in, yes. in, the, in the same scenario, if, if I'd gone into the business and we saw that, you know, that, that they weren't meeting their KPIs, they weren't reading their script, we know that the captain-styled uh, business owner will rip right into their staff and probably if they start to move into what we call the dysfunctional aspect of, 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 of the captain style, that they will give their staff a hard time. They won't communicate nicely. Hey, you haven't done a script. I told you that last week. That, 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 that. So what will often happen for someone with a captain style is they will lose staff because they can often be too hard on staff or don't know how to communicate to staff to get the most out of them. And again, mm -hmm. when we talk about a pattern, it means they'll do that for years. It's just naturally who they are on the level of the personality. And as a result of that being who they are on the level of the personality, they, they'll display a pattern of behavior in the way that they orientate towards their staff. Anything you want to say about that before I move on? Yeah, the one thing I just wrote down while you were talking about it is whether you've got a people-pleaser personality style pattern or you've got a captain pattern, a lot of the time it's who, on an unconscious level, it's how you define yourself. So especially a person with a people-pleaser pattern, a lot of the time you'll de define yourself by being a really good person and having um, other people's needs at heart. So when you come to look at patterns, you see that as you. Um, so it can be hard to let go of a lot of the time. Or if you're the captain personality, 
<laughs> and and you really take control and it's your way or the highway. That's how you see yourself. You would say I'm I am this or I am that. Um, so it can be hard to let go of that role almost until you've got an awareness of of the pattern itself. Yeah, and that brings me to you know I hadn't sort of thought about that, but you're right. I, I was thinking about. Uh, people I know, I'm thinking about myself, and and what happens is is that you'll often have pride in who you are. So someone that's got a strong people pleaser uh, profile, they're proud and and feel really good about how nice they are to, to others. And and someone some of the people I know with the captain style, they feel proud that they're tough and strong and stand up <laughs> for themselves. Um, yeah. So yes, it is is hard. Now I think I think there's another word we've brought up here. We, we, we've actually talked about functional and dysfunctional. And I think it's probably worth defining that before we go any further. What's your business DNA? Take this free five-minute assessment and uncover how you are naturally wired for success. Discover which traits are moving your business forward and which ones are holding it back. Grab your free personalised assessment at www.businessdnaindicator.com. We've talked about the people pleaser profile and we've talked about the captain profile as we've gone to explain habitual patterns of operating because we want you to understand what we mean when we say patterns. Um, but it's also important to understand what we mean by functional and dysfunctional. So I'm going to start with me for a second. Um, <laughs> so I have a strong people pleaser part of me and the people please a part of me well interesting enough we just had a conversation gab and i before we did the podcast and we were having a chat about how we need to constantly keep on top of our programs and making sure that they are the best possible programs that we can deliver because we want our clients to really get the best from us in our programs. We want them to excel. We want to run world-leading programs. The initiation for that conversation is that my people pleaser wants people to get a great outcome. So at that point, we understand that aspects of my people pleaser are functional. They're functional because they serve life. They serve business. They serve others. However, my people pleaser could be dysfunctional. It's not because I've learned to manage the dysfunctional elements of it. The dysfunctional elements of it would be if, say as an example, I had important things to do in my business and then my wife or some friends were asking me to go and, and, and do something with them and I said yes to them even though I didn't really want to. Are you ready to go from dreaming your life away to really living it? Are you ready to discover the real keys to financial abundance and a booming business that can virtually operate itself? Interested in learning how to develop the psychology and strategies required to build a self-managed business that gives you financial prosperity and free time? The Business Insights community puts the most effective wealth-building tools and training at your fingertips for less than most people's weekly coffee spend. Give BIC a try, risk-free, and get ready for your most profitable year ever. Head to mardoninternational.com and check it out under the Services tab. At that point, my people please becomes dysfunctional because it will say yes to things it shouldn't. It will say yes to things that undermine 
my goals and things that are important to other parts of me. So you can see all these different profiles that we talk about, all these different patterns have functional aspects and dysfunctional aspects. As an example, Gab, what would be functional? We've talked about the captain, so let's talk about that some more, about functional and dysfunctional, so we can really help the listeners understand that these that the parts are both functional and dysfunctional. They're not all bad. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. by the way, this would be a good one to do. What is functional about the captain style? Yeah, what, what's functional about the captain style? Then we're going to look at something else. What's functional about yeah. the captain style? If you look at the captain style from a functional perspective, the captain has the ability to really get things done and it's not happy with anything less than getting the results or the goal that the, the captain's after. Like it's it's almost, a, the, I guess dysfunctionally it could be ruthless, but also that can be a functional ruthlessness that, you know, I'm not happy until I get the result that I'm after. Whereas on the other side, the people pleaser dysfunctionally would look at that and be very confronted by the functionality of the captain uh, personality style. Absolutely. So I'm thinking about myself and some of the ways that I behave on a habitual basis. I have a strong captain and my captain has no problems letting people know when they haven't done a good job. But I give them a hard yeah, and time. It, and it's willing to make the hard decisions. C- correct. And, and, and that part of me does not care whether people like me or not. It just That's doesn't. Right. So as an example, I've, I've, over the last few weeks, I've, I've, I've dished it out to a couple of contractors as an, as an example and who have undermined and impacted our business. And therefore, when people undermine my business, by the way, I, I view it, and this, this is the captain talking, they're undermining my family. They're undermining you, Gab. They're undermining Georgina. They're undermining, they're undermining everyone in our organisation. So when I feel undermined, my captain just gets in there and, and I'm conscious of it because if I let my can, uh, uh, captain move into dysfunctional territory, it will drive people away. But when it needs to, it's got no problem being very straight and communicating with strength and not caring whether the other person liked me or not. Where if someone's got a strong people pleaser um, aspect to them, they would find my way of communication abhorrent. <laughs> they would not be able to deal with you, Perry. <laughs> no, they would not be able to deal with me. They would just cower. They would just cower. So a dysfunctional yeah. people pleaser won't set boundaries, won't stand up for themselves, won't discipline when, when discipline's required. Okay? A dysfunctional captain will micromanage and um, give people a hard time and not trust staff and staff will, or they'll speak rudely to people all the time. Correct? Agree with that, Gab? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so just in closing, because we're actually just going through some definitions here in the podcast, but it's, it's, it's we're now look, we've just gone through patterns, so habitual patterns of operating, and we've looked at these habitual patterns. We can actually start to, to put names to them. We've, we've got, the, as we've said, the people pleaser. We've got the captain. There's heaps of different uh, ways of explaining entrepreneurs' behaviors, but each of these profiles has or each of these parts has functional and dysfunctional elements to them. I think it's probably important just to say here right now that someone that is a masterful entrepreneur, or just good at life, by the way, not just a masterful entrepreneur, but just good at life, but this is a business <laughs> podcast. Winning at life. Yeah, has the ability <laughs> to observe and see all the different ways they behave and work out what's serving them and what's not serving them at any moment in time. I've got something interesting to add to that. Yep. That 
what, that uh, I was just sitting here thinking about the the dynamics of what I'm about to say and just having a little chuckle to myself that one of the one of the roles of our work and what we do and what we're talking about here in patterns is for one part of the personality to take on the other so what I'm saying by that is a people pleaser would need to take on uh, some of the parts of the personality of the captain so be able to integrate more of the captain into their business and the captain personality would need to integrate the people pleaser into its business and I can just imagine both like say Perry you and somebody else that's a people pleaser looking at the other if they're not aware and just thinking f that like the people pleaser would be like there is no way that I am taking on any of the captain like that's completely outside the realm of who I am so there's no way and the captain would be looking at people pleaser thinking I am not becoming weak like the people pleaser but the you know without taking on the aspects of the other you won't be that business owner that can look at all the parts and start to make decisions uh, until those parts are integrated and I'm just having a little visual in my head and uh, having a laugh. (laughs) <laughs> I, t- I totally agree. I totally agree with you. And <laughs> funnily enough, when people first start this work, they'll have their habitual patterns as a business owner based on their profile, personality profiles. And then they'll have, as you've quite rightly said, enemies. Okay, so a people pleaser <laughs> does not want to be a captain because a people pleaser thinks, if I'm a captain, no one's going to like me. That's it. Right? And as you've got right, you said, someone with a strong captain is going to look at a people person and go, I don't want to be that weak. I'm just going to be misused and used by everybody. People are going to take advantage advantage of me. (laughs) Classic, isn't it? Like just completely different worldviews. Where, as an example, and we start to bring this into organizationally wide, you need all those elements within a business for it to be successful. So, if, if you're a strong people pleaser and you don't want or don't like someone with the captain pattern because you perceive that they're rude, arrogant, um, and that people aren't going to like them, you'll tend to not bring that into your business. And we know that your business will be impacted as a result of that. How will it be impacted? You'll have no captain energy. People will take advantage of you. You'll tend to mm-hmm. overgive. Mm-hmm. You'll be afraid to go for what you really, really want. You won't set boundaries. You won't discipline staff. You will tend to avoid KPIs. Anything else you want to chuck in there? Yeah, I was just I was just thinking to myself, and I was thinking, you know, like about this the awareness and being able to set boundaries or have KPIs or be able to be more assertive. And there's just the the, the people pleaser to be able to integrate more of the captain means that you're going to have growth in your business, right? Because you're going to be able to set those KPIs. You're going to be able to set boundaries. I mean, people pleasers would be able to grow their business, but they'll be really bloody exhausted and tired and burnt out through the growth process uh, and have no work-life balance. And the captain, on the other hand, would need to integrate the people pleaser because without it, there's no culture. They they would be seriously lacking in culture and uh, even aspects of customer service. Um, all these different things. It's just a thought that popped in my head. No, oh, to- to- totally. That's what I meant. You've got to have your, or- yeah. your organization. You- you've got to have all these different elements within the organization. You have, you have to. It's just like you said before. If, you know, let's, just coming back to what you said, if, if someone's got a strong captain and they're highly identified with that, 
they'll tend to look at people pleasing going, I don't want anything to do with that for the reasons I just said, <laughs> it looks like it's weak. Yeah. But then that organization will, um, as you've quite rightly said, they'll be low in compassion, they'll be low in empathy. So, so they won't be able to develop culture because staff won't feel heard, understood, recognized, and conflict yeah. won't be dealt with effectively or properly, which is, which is a skill set that would start to move into the people please or, the, or an overgiver profile or a harmonizer's profile. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a big part of this work is understanding our own personality um, styles, our patterns, and understanding what's most impactful and effective or what's needed to grow the business. Can I add to that? It's about understanding your personality styles or your patterns, but it's also about understanding personality styles and patterns that you reject because it's those that you reject that you actually need to work on and heal and discover more about. They're the ones that are actually going to grow your business are the ones that you reject. You probably have become really, you know, well acquainted with the ones that you know about. Like you would, people would be sitting here going, oh, yeah, people pleaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you talk about the captain, they'll be like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> that is not me. I don't want that to be me. But the fact that you're sitting there rejecting it is a very strong sign that that's what you actually need for your business to grow. Totally. Absolutely. Which is why people that have done a lot of this work, people that have worked with us in our programs, as an example, end up with way less judgment and understand that those profiles they once judged, they actually need within their business in the form of someone else working in the business that has that, that, that profile that they, they used to judge. Or mm. they've actually uh, developed that part within themselves that they used to judge. And in the same way that I said before, that they're able to choose what part to use at a given point in time. So a typical example of that is someone that's uh, been a people pleaser and, you know, what they will have done with their staff for years, they'll have a couple of uh, troubled staff that muck up, tell them a sob story, and because they're a people pleaser, business owner, they go, oh, the poor thing, I'll give them another chance. And (laughs) that that staff member is really good for another two weeks or three weeks, and and then they stuff up again and they give another sob story, um, and that people pleaser business owner goes, oh, the poor thing, I'll give them another chance. And, oh, no, their grandmother died, so, you know, the grandmother died three years ago. I've seen this stuff, by the way, Um, and that's why they're not performing at work. So I I, I don't want to be, excuse the language, a bitch or a bastard, so I'll just just be really nice to them and, and, and put up with how they are until they're better. Okay, um, that would be a typical uh, people pleaser approach to some staff dilemmas. Once they've been doing this work for some time, they have learned to embrace the captain within themselves. So with those staff members that they know are, are constantly asking them to for a second, third or fourth chance, once they see that pattern in their staff member, they'll wheel out the captain and the captain will say, if you do that again, you're out of here. Okay? Because Can I... Um- Oh, you keep going, Perry. Yeah, because at that stage, they've started to integrate its opposite and, and now they can use it. So sometimes they'll use the people pleaser because that's required. And other times they'll use the captain because that's required. The problem, coming back to what you were saying before, anything you reject, any part you reject, you lose its functional aspect within your business. So as an example, if the people pleaser is rejecting the captain, they miss out on the functional aspects of the captain, which is to discipline, set boundaries, to, to drive the ship, um, to not be so concerned about what people think. And there are advantages in that. 
Share our free resources with your friends on social media and win a prize. Valued up to $399. No purchase necessary. No strings attached. Check out our prize list at the rewards page on marteninternational.com and start sharing today. You're helping other business owners and being rewarded. I was just going to sum it up, Perry, just so that there's like a really concise little uh, bubble of what we're talking about. So the fact of uh, us integrating the opposite that we reject and really what it is, is step one, you'll realise that there's a pattern there. So what Perry has just talked about is that you realise that there's a pattern for people pleasing that you keep giving people chances and you don't discipline or you don't follow through on the discipline. So you're realising the pattern. The second point is that you'll then be able to see the story. So the story behind the people pleaser is if I discipline, uh, they won't like me. And it's absolutely essential that everybody likes me. So you're seeing the story of the people pleaser and you're seeing the story that I can't be, I can't be assertive because they won't like me. And then when you've got that awareness of those two points, it's then that you can make a different decision. So the different decision is, okay, am I willing to be a captain for this period of time so that I can further my business growth or, you know, I can make sure I'm setting really good boundaries with my staff or people don't take advantage of me. So they're the three steps that just concisely, I guess, is what I wanted to say. Yeah, great. Okay, let's let's take this to another place now because let's go into subpersonalities quickly. We use subpersonalities. We talk about subpersonalities all the time. So we've just covered off on some of the patterns and some of the profiles. When we talk about subpersonalities, we're talking about the personality parts that make up your personality. Most people don't realize that their personality is made up of separate characters or separate parts. They just think they're this one thing. Well, we're not. My personality is full of hundreds of characters. And these characters have completely different emotional tones, viewpoints, and beliefs. And I've met them. I understand them. Now, before we get into that, let me just say that Why is this important from a business perspective? Well, we just covered off on some of that, but we'll take it a little bit further. A business business outcome, the results of a business, always come down to the quality of the business owner's choices, the decisions they've made. Can you see that gap? Yeah, absolutely. If you make good decisions, you have good business results. If you make average decisions, you have average uh, average business results. Now, most people are really unconscious regarding what's making their decisions for them. So most of the decisions are made unconsciously, meaning the decisions are made outside of their awareness from parts of them that they that should not be making business decisions. So a big part of this work is that when we can start to observe and see our personality and see all the different parts that make up our personality, we start to become aware of the choices they make on our behalf. Now, just to keep this really basic, everyone listening to this will have had this experience. One part of them, they can feel they've got a desire for one thing and another part of them going, no, I want something else. And uh, I've heard you use this example before, Gab. You get up in the morning, you're tired, and part of you just wants to lie down in bed and rest, and you've got another part that might be saying, no, you need to get up and do this. That could be your being part, the part that likes to relax versus... Your achiever, that part that has goals. Any other 
ideas or <laughs> examples you, you, you have around that? Because we'll start simply and then we'll deepen into this. Yeah, I've got one that I always use because a lot of women and, and men as well can relate to it. But I always think of going to the shops and, and seeing like a, a $300 dress and there'll be a part of you that's like a princess or a prince, whatever you want to call it. And the princess is like, I love beautiful things. I just want to look beautiful. I deserve that dress. And then on the other side, it's like the angel and the devil. And the other side, you've got the responsible adult and the responsible adult is, oh, you've got bills when you go home. Don't be so silly. Don't be so reckless. You can't afford that. We need to put that money into savings. And you've really got two parts of your personality at conflict and one will always win out over the other, depending on your values. Correct. And that's a fantastic example. And when you do this work, you see those parts. You can hear Gab knows what calls one the princess. She understands the values that the value that the princess wants to look beautiful, wants to feel beautiful and wants to spend the money, thinks that that you deserve or I deserve that beautiful dress or or I, I deserve the best. And the other part might be frugal, depending on what you grew up with. You might feel guilty about spending money. And so you've got the other voice going, they're different parts with completely different emotional tones. Another one that I heard the other day, a guy, Dr. Keith Witt, a very interesting man. You can check his website out, drkeithwitt.com if I remember rightly. He does a lot of training like we do, not in the business space, but he does a lot of work with, with relationships. And he, he talks about competing drives. We are full of competing drives. So as an example, one of the examples he used is lust itself will, if we followed it, would urge us to cheat. Where the, And there are other parts in us that urge us to loyalty or monogamy. And, and so we, we, we become aware of these competing drives within our consciousness. This is when we usually start to wake up to the truth, not a concept, the truth that our personality is made up of parts. I'm going to tell you, even my sons talk about parts. I ask mm-hmm. them a question. And by the way, you can usually tell when someone's fairly evolved in their thinking because you, they'll, they'll ask questions from a parts perspective. So as an example, you say, how do you feel about this? And they'll go, well, one part of me feels this way and another part of me feels that way. So people that haven't been trained in this work but they're quite evolved in their understanding of self will tend to answer in, in that way. They've already got the ability to self-inspect and see the, the, the different parts in the way that they think. In our work, we take that to a very deep degree where we understand and can observe all the different parts of, of our personality, what we call subpersonalities. So I'm just going to dig into this a little bit. I'm going to use a couple of examples. So I'm hoping those that are listening can get an understanding of this. Remember, again, most people are unconscious. They're not aware they're made up of parts. So therefore, they're not aware of the decisions, what's making their decisions for them. I'm going to use three parts within my own consciousness. I have an entrepreneur part. Now, my entrepreneur part, it loves freedom and it loves ideas. And my entrepreneur part sees opportunity and what needs to be done or what could be capitalized on or how to improve something. That's fairly typical for an entrepreneurial part. It's highly connected to a vision. And it also knows how to pull people together to, cre- to create that vision. That's my entrepreneur part. It's not my accountant part. My accountant part doesn't know how to do that. My accountant part's got no idea uh, about seeing opportunity or pulling a team together. What do you think my accountant part can do, Gab? Oh, it's really good with numbers 
really good at looking at the business in the detail and, and extracting from that and kind of where you're going right and where you're going wrong. Correct. And do you think out of those two parts, do you think which ones do you think is the most, most risk adverse, the entrepreneur or the accountant? Oh, the accountant for sure. Yeah, the accountant. Okay, the accountant. Now, they're two distinct parts in me. Now, just so you know, I can tell the difference between the two of them really quickly and easily. So my entrepreneur gets excited. It, <laughs> it works from the gut. It gets feelings about things. It's conceptual and it can think very, very fast. And it tends to be positive without being reckless. I hope that makes sense. It also sees weaknesses. So it, it, it can see, without going into the details, the, the, the potential downsides of any opportunity. But it has, a, I can tell when the entrepreneur is running my system. The accountant, on the other hand, it's got a heavier energy. It's less enjoyable. It will really look at the spreadsheets. It will really start to dig into the numbers and it starts to look at, well, if it goes wrong, what is the impact? It, it will drill deeper into that. Now, just so you know, I'm, I'm working with clients sometimes and they're not even aware of it because they're not aware of who they are. They're not aware of the, all the different parts of their personality. And I will suggest a strategy. And without them knowing it, their risk-adverse accountant will shoot it down before they're able to really evaluate whether that is a worthwhile strategy or not. So my entrepreneur will come up with a strategy and they will unconsciously, by default, remember we talked before about patterns, so this is habitual way of operating, their accountant will shoot it down without actually analyzing it. Now, at this point, I'll always know that there's conflict within that person between their accountant uh, subpersonality and their entrepreneur subpersonality. Their, their accountant subpersonality will be afraid of their entrepreneur subpersonality, so it becomes dominant in the psych, shooting down opportunities really quickly without inspecting them. Okay, there's just a couple of examples. Does, does that make sense, Gab, by the way? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. If on the other hand, that client could be taught to see the accountant and the entrepreneur part, they would then be able to be far more effective in the decision-making process. So as an example, they would quickly learn, oh, my accountant shoots things down before, I've, before it's had the chance to check it. My, uh, my accountant pushes my entrepreneur out of the way because it's afraid of my entrepreneur and it doesn't want make me make, it making decisions for me and my business. So the moment they can see that and observe that, they're now able to make far more effective choices as business owners. So as you can see from what you've learned in the podcast today, it's really important that you learn all about all the different sub-personalities that make up your personality, the choices they make for you, their beliefs because they all have different beliefs, opposing beliefs. It's really important to see how each of these subpersonalities functional and how it's, they're dysfunctional. And when you do that, you have far greater self-mastery over the decisions that you make 
as a business person. And to get to that point, you've got to learn some things. So the first thing that we have to learn, if we understand our personalities, we've got to learn to self-observe, build the observer, meaning that we bring awareness and our awareness inside of ourselves and we learn to watch our personality. Now, we're not taught this in schools. I think it's probably the most important thing you can learn as a person to observe your personality so that you can understand it more. Gab, what is your viewpoint on observing? What would you like to bring to this discussion about learning to observe the personality? Yeah, I was just thinking about it and I was thinking about observing and the very first thing that I thought of, I. I thought back to myself five years ago when I first started my observing awareness. And when you kind of first say the words observing awareness, it doesn't really make sense when you've not done this work before because we've all been conditioned to just walk around with, you know, voices in our head or things going over in our mind. And we just think that's, you know, the everyday human being that hasn't done this work just kind of think that that's normal. They've got no idea what observing awareness even is. So for me, the first thing I think of is the very fundamental basic understanding is to understand that observing awareness is to start to observe what's going on in your mind throughout the day. What are, uh, what are the words that are coming through? And, and to understand that everything that is in your mind is really a subpersonality that's talking to you. And, and, an, and an observing awareness is basically understanding that subpersonalities are talking to you all the time. And if you can bring in an observing awareness to your subpersonalities, all of a sudden that gives you choice in your life. And the choice is because you're understanding who is making the decisions. I'm understanding, okay, there's these two different voices in my mind that are in conflict. And now that I understand that they're both there, now I can make a choice. If I'm just constantly walking through the day and thinking all these things, but just thinking that they're me, not that I've got parts of me, then there's no choice. Yeah, you've really brought up something very interesting for me because um, when you said that for most people, they don't even know what self-observing is. No, they don't. I, I really get it. And I've done this since I was young. So sometimes I forget that, that for most people, they've got no idea what that means. And when I look at that, we're all trained to have our awareness outside of ourselves. We walk around and we notice everything outside. We're not taught to notice what's inside, what's happening on the level of the psyche. And because we're not trained to do that, it does take a training, as you've quite rightly pointed out. But where else that took me is the moment you said, look, once I can start to see these are subpersonalities, you start to disidentify. That's okay. Right. Most people walk around in a highly identified state. All those voices you talked about, as you quite rightly said, they come from these different subpersonalities. But for most people, they're just going, oh, that's me. That's just one single I. And so self-observing leads to what we call disidentification. I'm no longer identified as the contents of my mind. I'm no longer identified as this subpersonality or these subpersonalities. I can actually observe them and see them. And as you quite rightly pointed out, suddenly, once I can do that, I have way more choice. And we'll probably finish on this because then you start to end robotic consciousness. So we started today with, you know, we're full of these patterns. And we explain patterns and how they're just 
you know, habitual patterns of behaviors and ways of being. And that makes us robotic, meaning when we've got all these habits and we just live them out, we're just robots. So this work, when we start to build uh, what we call self the observing awareness or the, or the create the ability to self observe, we start to disidentify and we see the contents of our mind as subpersonalities. And then we can question and critique these different parts and their belief systems. It's the end of robotic consciousness. It helps us evolve as business people. It helps us evolve actually in every area of life. And there's no evolution without the ability to observe these different parts, name what they're up to, see their game, see their belief system, see their habit patterns, see how they're functional or dysfunctional. So Gab, um, I would say in the next podcast that we're going to go into how to observe and some of the impediments to observing, one which we'll touch on now just to give uh, listeners a bit of a taste of that. When people first start learning to observe, they usually meet a fair bit of resistance. Gab, why? Just quickly, because I'm sure people are full up now, but let's just give them a little bit of a glimpse of why most people don't want to self-observe when they first start. Most people don't want to, or in my experience, most people don't observe when they first start because it takes a high level of ownership and responsibility. Uh, And the resistance for most people that I see is that they all of a sudden come face to face with why they've made decisions in the past and why they've done whatever they've done. And that's deeply confronting to a lot of people. Yeah, because they're judging. Exactly. So all of a sudden to go, you know, ah, I've just met this part. I'm observing this part and I can see all the trouble it's caused. But you know what? I'm the trouble. And, most and they can't blame anyone anymore. They can't blame anyone anymore. <laughs> and, meeting, and they can't blame their partner. <laughs> yeah, they're, meet, they're meeting parts that they've constantly disowned and, and, and not wanted to see because it doesn't fit with their ego mask, what they want to show themselves about themselves to show the world. Yeah. And so they tend to meet that judgment. And we'll be talking a lot about that in the next podcast. And just quickly, a huge benefit of this work is as you learn to self-observe, and meet these different parts and through other ways that we work with our clients, we, we all get to the point where we're totally okay with who we are. We have a lot of self-love, a lot of self-acceptance. We understand that we're just doing the best that we can and these patterns come from our genetics. They help us survive uh, threatening scenarios when we're younger or when we're growing up or they help us adapt to you know, a community that we grew up in or a social environment that we grew up in and that they have to survive through those periods of time. So we, we tend to not be hard on ourselves, which continues to improve our ability to self-observe, own what's not working in us, what's functional, what's dysfunctional without ego judgment getting in the way. So you tend to move quickly. Thanks, everybody. Gab, anything you want to share before we sign oh, off on this podcast? See you all later. See ya. Share our free resources with your friends on social media and win a prize. Valued up to $399. No purchase necessary. No strings attached. Check out our prize list at the rewards page on marteninternational.com and start sharing today. You're helping other business owners and being rewarded.